It's 1046 on the East Coast. I'm Guy Adami. That's Dan Nathan. You know us from CNBC's Fast Money. This is being brought to you by Open Exchange, the leading platform for financial services industry in the digital media world. Dan Nathan, how are you? I'm fired up to be here. I'm fired up here, Guy. I love the format here. Let's rip through it. Let's get us to the top of the hour. Well, let's get us to the top of the hour. We're going to put 14 minutes on the clock. 10.46, we start. We're out by 11. But the first thing we have to look at is this Bloomberg Intelligence Survey, which I totally dig. It's basically saying, Dan, all clear for the market. It's got all green, green lights to go for you fans of Disney World when you got on the Grand Prix Raceway. What are your thoughts on this, Dan? Because, listen, I see it differently. Yeah, I know. Listen, I think it's a pretty I think it's a pretty nuanced sort of call here. Bloomberg Intelligence, they do some very thoughtful quant work. I love that heat map that we have going there. It just screams green, right? It screams all clear. But I think there's some pretty interesting things in the backdrop when you read through a little bit. They talk about this 15 factor market health check uh, check suggests that you know things are good to go. We're ready to party here. But they say there are some signs of a fundamental drop back. Uh, backdrop that may be getting overheated as some macroeconomic indicators um, have improved rapidly. Um, we're likely to see some really tough comparisons toward the end of the year. So we know that markets are forward um, discounting mechanisms here. Are we starting to kind of discount that back half strength that we know is coming on the other side of the pandemic? Well, at 4,100 in the S&P, it's hard to say that we're you know discounting it. I mean, it feels yeah. as though we're taking into consideration every potential piece of good news that we've had and that people think we're going to have. And we're looking past any of the things that are could be potential headwinds. Look, 10-year yields have come back down about 163 as we sit here uh, close to 11 a.m. on the East Coast. I think some people are sort of looking past that. They say maybe we've seen the worst of it with the move up to 178. I'm not certain that's the case. The dollar, which is a wrecking ball when it rallies, has seemingly uh, stopped rallying and headed lower. So the market's taking that as now a tailwind. And obviously, we're going into earnings season next week with the banks, and people are extraordinarily optimistic in terms of what we're going to see there. Uh, valuations don't matter. People will say, listen, yes, on a forward basis, the S&P at a 24 multiple, wherever we are right now, is expensive. But if we're going to get $200 in earnings, that 24 quickly becomes sort of a 20, and that might be reasonable in this environment. All things are green here. The one red thing is seemingly a bit of a, uh, you know, we're just sort of looking past that, and it's green light to go. I am not nearly as encouraging, but here we are. Yeah, valuation. All right. Well, no one cares about valuation. That's exactly right. What they're also looking back, they're looking past technicals. Look at this two year chart of the SP 500. Throw it up. I just drew a really nice, simple line connecting all of the highs that we've seen over the last two years. And we just blew out above that, right? We just literally, it's like throwing caution to the wind. Don't worry here. And what I think is really interesting, you see that green horizontal line? Guy, just so you know, I like to kind of color code these lines. I know, you know. It helps me. It helps, okay? Um, But look at that line from that September 2nd high. That was the last really meaningful sell-off that we had in the S&P 500 when we dropped. It felt like 11 12% in a straight line. What's also interesting about that level, because we broke out there in October when optimism was rising about a blue wave, it was rising um, about 
just a whole host of things that what what comes with that. And then obviously the vaccines. Look at that rising 200 day moving average. To me, I think that that is where we go if we do see a pullback. And here's the thing. No one can come up with a good reason right now in April 2021 why stocks should pull back. Yeah, real rates are kind of negative, right? When you're looking at where the 10 year yield is versus inflation. So that makes equities look very attractive here. I look at that chart. I see the hungry alligator here. You know Wait, that formation. Well, the hungry alligator. I mean, stop with the hungry alligator. <laughs> you look at that chart, and you basically see lower left to upper right. Yeah. The market's never going lower again. Yeah. Optimism is there. And the fact that you bring up correctly, by the way, that nobody can articulate the bear case is the bear case. That, to me, right. is the bear case. But look, we got earnings next week. Let's see what happens. But what we also want to do at 1046 is to drill down on some street research that we've been looking at. And the first one, Dan, that we want to take a look at is what I think is a great call on Federal Express. Pull it up because this one makes a lot of sense. J.P. Morgan adding FedEx to their focus list. Good for them. The reasons are cited there in our little, what do we call those things, Dan? A little slide presentation. But I love this call out of J.P. Morgan. Let me explain to you why. First of all, two quarters ago, I thought FedEx came out with a, an ex exemplary, extraordinary quarter. The stock went from 305 basically to 252-ish, not in a straight line, but over the course of a month, month and a half. It really took me by surprise because the broader market was doing pretty well. Now it's gotten off the mat on the back of what was another very strong quarter. They finally figured it out. They talk about restructuring in this note. I think they talk about valuation as well, and I'll do the math for you. They're going to earn $20 a share-ish. You slap a 20 multiple on the back of that, you can do the math, Dan. That's a $400 stock. I don't know if it gets there. But I think we're going to blow through that recent all-time high at 305. So good for J.P. Morgan on the back of this. Thoughts, Dan? Yeah, listen, it's really interesting as we talk about street research, a focus list. You know, sometimes if you're not in the business, some of this jargon doesn't, you don't know what it really means here. They've already had a buy on it. They upgraded the stock in June of 2020. So now they're saying that they see specific value. You just mentioned that $20 in earnings power. You know, that's how you get to their price target well above those prior highs. We have a five-year chart of the FedEx. And I think it's really interesting that this stock, the prior all-time high came in early 2018, right after... Um, those tax cuts, right? Well, look what happened here. This stock went from basically 280, where it is right now, down to the lows, well below 100 last year in the throes of the pandemic. And then you see that parabolic move. And so you mentioned a couple of things. This company had been restructuring the whole way down for those couple of years, right? And they were getting things right. And they basically were in line for that pandemic demand. And the secular shift that was just being accelerated toward e-commerce and that sort of thing. So, you know, to me, I get it here. I do think it's interesting that it's struggling right now at that prior all-time high, but that's why maybe where you get a little nuanced, you start thinking about valuations here, and then you say to yourself, okay, this is a cheap stock relative to the market. I'll just mention this, that, you know, next year, this company is supposed to have earnings growth of 10%. That's where we want to start valuing some of these companies if we start to care about valuation again on normalized earnings. So 10% expected earnings growth, 5% sales growth, trading at 14 times, well below a market multiple. I get it. I think you buy the stock on pullbacks. I see that 200-day moving average a bit lower near the recent 2021 lows. Maybe that's where you kind of back up the truck if you see this thing near 250 in the next couple of months. Yeah. And listen, you mentioned 10% earnings growth and I get it. So maybe a 20 multiple is excessive. I did it yeah. for you, Dan, because I know two times two is an easy one for you to do. You can add a zero, you get 400. 
But the more reasonable, if you think about it, you know, you put a 17, 17 and a half multiple on this thing, and you can understand how you get to sort of $350 or so a share, which is still significantly higher than where we are now. So I do like this call to JP Morgan. It's worth noting, Dan, yeah. that BNP Paribas, I just like saying that because, you know, the S is silent, as you know, because you yeah. work for one of those fancy places. Um, they initiated neutral in Federal Express today with a $273 price target. And I think that's worth pointing out because, as we say in the business, that's what makes markets. I obviously am sort of partial to this JP Morgan call, but I look at the BNB Paribas call and I take it with a grain of salt as well. I mean, I, analysts look at the same thing and they come up with different conclusions. And as traders, we do the same thing as well. So I, this is interesting on a day where JP Morgan takes NSC off their focus list, adds FedEx. It's the same day that BNP Paribas is initiating, initiating neutral right. with a $273 price target. Guy, you're getting a little wordy here. we got to get out by the hour. You're going to take oh, us stop. To, I mean, take stop. Us to I'm overtime gonna get us in out of the hour. In our maiden voyage here, we're going overtime. It feels By the like way, our- it's interesting that you mentioned the maiden voyage. I'm glad you did that because it was on April 15th, 1912. Yeah. So basically, what is that, Dan? I tell you, 109 years ago, Correct. that the Titanic on their maiden voyage hit the iceberg. So I'm hoping our maiden voyage goes a little bit better. Right now, I'm optimistic. But listen, in the last couple of minutes, you never know what's going to happen. Next call is one that I think you like because you did a power pitch on this sucker when it was a $14 stock yeah. snap, upgraded to overweighted Atlantic equities. I love this call. I'm a huge fan of Snap. Let me just tell you why. Snap was basically on the mat a year or so ago. A lot of people left it for dead correctly. But then then um, Facebook got themselves in trouble. If you recall, a lot of their advertisers started to flee. And that gave Snap all the room it needed to sort of pick themselves up and figure it out. And figure it out they have if you look at the last couple of quarters. The stock has pulled back. I think this Atlantic equities upgrade comes at the right time in terms of what the stock has done over the last month, month and a half. And I like this call as well. What are your thoughts on Snap? Because I know you happen, you're not a user, but you yeah. are a fan. Well, listen, I think this stock actually, the pullback, you know, to me, I mean, the stock's up now 15 points in a straight line over the last week and a half. So that pullback that they speak of is kind of gone here. Um, listen, what I think is most important here is that this company now has a $92 billion market cap. And you said this thing was left for dead about a year, year and a half ago. When you think about some of the competition that was coming on um, from TikTok, some of the stuff that Facebook was doing, copying a lot of their kind of short form messaging, that sort of thing, you know, you could have easily counted them out as a low single digit billion advertising player on the social web, but now they're starting to grow. I think this call is important because they're basically saying that they see an inflection point as far as their ARPU, their average revenue per user, going from a messaging app to more monetizable content. And I want to just make this one point because we talk about, if you just look at this chart here, you know, there's some really good support in the high 40s to the mid 40s, that sort of thing. But make no mistake, trading 23 times uh, sales, expected Sales. This thing is expensive here. It okay. Is. And, and to me, it is a one trick pony. I'd rather bet right here on Twitter. And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, we just saw on the tape this week that Twitter was talking to Clubhouse about maybe a $4 billion acquisition. We know that Twitter is building their Clubhouse competitor, which is live social audio. You and I have been doing um, the spaces. I love it. You love it. It's been a lot of fun. Our social graphs are mapped to Twitter. So it makes more sense to me. Every time I'm on Clubhouse, I have my iPhone in my hand and I'm scrolling Twitter as it is. 
That made sense to me. I think Twitter is going to win this battle here, but I think Snap should have bought Clubhouse, and I think they should do it something like that pretty quickly here. And I want to make one point about this Twitter chart. I've also power pitched this thing on numerous times on the Fast Money. Look at that uptrend from the March 2020 lows. It stops on a dime when it gets back there. It makes new highs, has meaningful pullbacks. So if you see this thing back towards 60 or so, that's where I think you back up the truck in the Twitter. You broke my huevos about being wordy, and you just rambled on like Led Zeppelin. Listen, real quick, Snap reports <laughs> on April 22nd. Yeah. Evercore initiated the stock earlier this week, and FedEx for you playing the home game. They report on June 24th. I like both those calls. In the last minute and a half that we have here, Dan Nathan, on the way out, what yeah. are you looking at? Listen, guy, we can't talk on the video, on TV, on anything and talk about markets and not talk about the Bitcoin because what we're also talking about is unusually positive sentiment that you and I are seeing almost every risk asset. And the big story this week was that the total crypto market passed that $2 trillion point. As soon as it did that, it kind of pulled back. We know we have that Coinbase direct listing IPO coming next week. I guess the question is, is that going to be some form of like euphoric sort of moment for the crypto universe where maybe it's kind of a sell the new? I don't know. Here's a one-year chart. You see that, that Bitcoin has nearly doubled this year. And you're also seeing that those peak to trough declines are getting smaller. We had 30% earlier in the year. Then we had 25%. Then we had 18%. And this little one over the last couple of weeks was you know mid-single digits. So to me, keep an eye on Bitcoin. I think it's really important, the crypto universe uh, or the ecosystem as it relates to broader market sentiment here. I think it is a, a very important input. I'm looking at the U.S. dollar. It's had a huge run to the upside. Best quarter for the dollar in quite some time. I think that run to the upside is over. I think the declines are going to resume. And I think the weakening dollar is going to be a story for commodities over the next month, month and a half. Keep your eye on commodity. I do believe we're at the beginning of this super cycle. Ten seconds left in the clock. Listen, if you like what you heard here, we have free content at Open Exchange. Put your email in the upper left of the screen. Dan, we've got to get out of here. Say goodbye, Dan. Hey, thanks to our partners at Open Exchange. Guy, thanks to you, bud. I mean, we got to 1046. What time will we see them next Thursday, Eastern time for this program again? At 1046. There you go. Later. Thanks.